and thank you for joining us today. My name is Erica Kramer, Senior Living Engagement Advisor at Martin Brothers. We're glad to be spending time with you again today because we all know that the time you invest in self-development not only increases the trajectory of your success, but the success of those you lead as well. First of all, I finally said trajectory for the first time without messing it up. So that's a win for today. Um, today I have a new guest joining us, Matt Garcia. Matt's title is pretty fancy, I'm not going to lie. He is the Chief People and Central Iowa Operations Officer of Western Home Services and, I'm not done, the Executive Director of Madrid Home Communities. Well done, Erica. You got it right. <sighs> I didn't mess that up either. I should just stop right now. <laughs> so um, I'm so glad we could steal Matt away from his responsibilities to join us. Matt, can you tell us a little bit about your role? Uh, it's a long title, but tell us what you do to help our listeners just to get to know you a little bit. Sure. I have a, a long history in healthcare. care um, my whole career, 25 years. I started out as a CNA. Um, then became an administrator of a retirement community. I uh, worked in, at the Bishop Drum Retirement Center for 12 years and then went to work at Mercy Hospital for six years in their uh, Lean Six Sigma Process Improvement Program. And then I really felt the pull back into senior living uh, and uh, got a job with Western Home Communities or with Western Home Services. And my title has changed a few times, but... Uh, we have a network of about 10 communities ranging from Cresco, Iowa, all the way to Madrid, Iowa. I'm based in Madrid. And uh, the people officer, so that's the Central Iowa Operations uh, Officer so I, and Executive Director at Madrid. So I have uh, four communities that I work with. And the people officer part is part of what we're going to talk about today is uh, responsibility for uh, leadership, growth, and development at Western Home Services, and it's something I'm really passionate about, so looking forward to the conversation. Well, after listening to that, we obviously have a lot of reasons why we wanted Matt to join us, but recently I sat through some training he did that was on uh, more of self-development that focused on his, his people passion and, and that part of his role. And one of his focuses was on the VHS process. Now, most people who are older <clears throat> than 35 are thinking video home systems, like the old thing we put into a VCR. Uh, no, that isn't what we're focusing on today. VHS is actually an acronym for Victim Hero Student. So I know everyone's interested and uh, wants to learn more about this, but we've, before we dive into this theory, Matt, I'd like to start with uh, an icebreaker question that will kind of help everyone to get to know us besides our title um, and what work we do. So to stay with that VHS theme, the question is, what is your favorite 80s VHS movie? Well, I actually have this movie on VHS still, maybe one of the few VHS I still own. It's Empire Strikes Back would have to be number one on the list. I could go on with uh, like Better Off Dead, Goonies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, lots of that kind of so pretty different mixed genres there of romantic comedy and adventure and so on. But um, Empire, definitely number one. 
So two quick stories. First of all, he is wearing <laughs> Star Wars socks. So and <laughs> yes. has a Star Wars bookmark in a book he has sitting here. So that makes sense. Second of all, I do prep um, people that come on what that question's going to be, so it doesn't take them completely off guard, and the whole uh, podcast isn't waiting for them to answer. And I literally got three emails with different categories <laughs> of his favorite VHS, which I said I just said one favorite. What's yours, um, by the way? Mine is uh, Mannequin. So That's right. I was. Uh, Probably a little too young to be watching that by myself. And looking back, I question. Now I, I understand what's being done in a lot of the movie that I go, really, <laughs> Mom and Dad? You let me sit down in the basement and watch that by myself? But anyway, and if you read it, if you watch it now, it was it was kind of ahead of its time for some of its characters and, and the themes that it had. And, you know, it was based in a mall, which aren't really a thing anymore. Yeah, so right. anyway, that's a fun one to go back and watch. Um, okay, so I've forewarned that VHS is not this big old movie cassette. So kind of explain what the acronym we're talking to refers to. You bet. So VHS, Victim, Hero, Student. And what this is referring to is our typically internal monologue that we have whenever someone treats us wrong. Or some situation, a lot of times it's a person, um, <clears throat> does us wrong and really, uh, you know, pushes our buttons, trips our trigger, gets us upset. And we start telling ourselves a story about how we're the victim of somebody else's creation of circumstance or uh, the way they treated us. And then eventually you move into the hero mode where you say, well, they don't appreciate me. No one is as good as this at, at this than I am. And how dare they not see um, what I'm dealing with and how good I am. And then at some point, hopefully, sometimes we don't get there at all. It, excuse me. Eventually, we want to get to the student mode or the some people call it the learner mode where we try and understand what it is that's making us have this kind of gut visceral reaction to what someone else said or did. And so that's the very high level summary of victim hero student. I'll give you a quick example. Okay. So basically okay. it's like you've been stabbed in the chest, then you puff out your chest, then mm. you take a deep breath and you relax. Yes, that's a okay. great analogy without the violence, maybe, a little less. <laughs> <laughs> been punched in the gut? There you go. Puff out your chest? There we go. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sometimes okay. it feels like a stab yes. in the chest. <clears throat> or a stab in the back. There we perhaps. go. Perhaps. Yep, I think yep. uh, some of this stuff we get, uh, I think this really comes into play when it, uh, for sure when it's said to your face, but I think many times you kind of hear it secondhand and it feels like this stab in the back. Yes. Think of a performance appraisal that you didn't like. That'd be something maybe to your face. Um, you know, a, a friend of a friend telling you what someone else said about you that's dis you know that's not very honorable, et cetera. That that's a stab in the back. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just encountered this with a, a colleague um, just last week, and the colleague was talking about getting the satisfaction survey results from their residents. Uh, this person was the CEO of the organization, very well-respected um, community and leadership team. And out of, you know, like 300 responses, I think the community has maybe 500 residents or so, so a pretty good response rate. 
there was a half a dozen people that said, fire the CEO. It was like, what, what are the things we should do to improve our community? Get rid of the CEO. Oh, wow. And what she talked about her, um, and when she was telling this story, I was watching her go through the VHS sort of symptoms and energy, you might say. Mm-hmm. You get really deflated, mm-hmm. right? That's just like you just talked about, Erica. That's the victim side. And then they don't understand or appreciate how hard I work. And she did all of it, but very quickly said, I, ha- I have to let that go. As the leader of this organization, um, if I let that stuff get to me, it's just going to ruin my life. It'll mm-hmm. ruin It'll ruin my she even talked about going home that night after seeing the survey, and all she wanted to do was have 10 gin and tonics. Those are her words. <laughs> and she had zero because she had already walked her through this cycle herself through unknowingly or pr- probably knowingly, but with, you know, without knowing the acronym. She had already gone through it herself and said, that's just a complete waste of my time to sort of ruin my day and my night and tomorrow mm-hmm. with um, – some binge drinking, right? So that that's not a that's not I a healthy where response. She's coming from, yes, but. totally. I've done. I um, a lot of times, depending on the group, I'll share a very personal story where I went down that particular path um, that was not helpful at all, <laughs> right? So that um, we tend to do that to ourselves when we get stuck in this um, sort of you know downward spiral of negative self talk about whatever somebody else said that just is driving us crazy. Mm-hmm. So we're, I'm also, as you were saying that, we've kind of opened ourselves up more for <clears throat> this now with social media mm-hmm. and everything else because yeah. now people can say things with a screen. I mean, I think with bullying and stuff, that's sure. a big deal now. So it makes it even worse allowing us to do these downward spirals. But where did this concept come from? This victim, hero, student. So great question. Um, uh, a, a couple different places. One, I have a little bit of training in um, uh, leadership education programs. So I got the basic concept from uh, a mentor of mine, uh, Dr. Judy Brown. She leads the Leading Age National Leadership Academy. Okay. So it's an exercise uh, partially that we go through um, in that context, in a leadership academy context. And then when I was looking to introduce it to the uh, teams that I'm a part of and, and work with, um, I started to have this mental connection to Crucial Conversations, uh, mm. the, the book. Um, I can't remember all the authors. Grenny, I know, is one of them. Yeah, yeah. It's a very common, um, you know, best-selling book. A lot of people have heard about it and read it. If you, hadn't, if you haven't, there's some, some great information in there. But those two resources are primarily where this uh, the idea where I got the idea from, and some of the language and wording used. And then uh, we can walk through here in a little bit some of the questions to ask yourself when you when you might find yourself in that kind of a situation. And some of those questions come from the Crucial Conversations book, Chapter Five: Master My Stories. Okay, is where some of these will come from. Well, and I just wanted to share, to kind of put a, a personal note on this, so, and not to do work, because we'll, we'll talk a lot about work, but this is also a big part of your relationships, Absolutely. like personally. So after being part of the education, 
that Matt gave in November, that same weekend I threw the, went through this process, um, which if my husband listens to this, he'll be interested to hear. <laughs> uh, but he wanted me to come outside and help put Christmas lights outside. And I was doing the inside decoration. That's way more to do than just the lights outside. Who's going to help me since both kids are outside? Of course, just me doing it. And on top of that, I'd had a cold for over two weeks that I couldn't get rid of. And I always take on the project of decorating indoors by myself. Like this was all going through my head. <clears throat> then I realized that he sounds like a victim, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm a hero. Yeah, God's nobody like, understands what I'm going through. Right, yeah. Right. Um, but then after I took a deep breath, and then I realized, okay, he did mention that he would help me put up the tree once he got done. And then I thought about, it and it's like, well, God, he actually does help the decorations on the walls and the high spots. And then I'm like, what am I talking about? He helps me. I should help him. So I did go outside. Um, and you would think that after you catch yourself doing it once, you could easily start to adapt it. But I have done this multiple times in both work and personal life in the last couple months, and I just can't seem to shorten that cycle. Yeah. After it's all said and done, I'm exhausted, and I realize what I just did to myself. But why can't people just identify this, quickly go through it? Why, why do we still choose to play the victim and hero for so long. I mean, it's not fun. Mm -hmm. I guess it's kind of helpful, but, it, you know, we, we don't stop it from happening when we can identify it. So, yeah, why, why do we put ourselves through this? Yeah, yeah. So one, um, two, two parts, I think. One okay. is awareness, right? So we, we don't have, we haven't trained ourselves to look for moments when this happens. We're reacting. Yes, we just automatically react. Mm -hmm. Two super quick, I'll do my best to be quick with the stories. At the beginning of Crucial Conversations, they talk about when you're about to step into a Crucial Conversation, there's three parts to a Crucial Conversation, by the way. The stakes are high, mm -hmm. opinions vary, and emotions are strong. Yep. So especially that last one, when the emotions are strong, they, they describe a physiological response. It's kind of a fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And it's, I, in my opinion, it's the same thing that happens when you start to feel like a victim. And then you start this internal fight. And what, what Crucial Conversations talks about is when you trigger the fight or flight response in your body physiologically, all the blood leaves your uh, or the majority of the blood goes to your muscles mm -hmm. so that you can react quickly if you need to fight or run away. And obviously, in a VHS type of situation, it'd be extremely rare where you would actually have to fight or run. Mm -hmm. But yeah. you're fighting with yourself is how I see it. Right. So that's the first problem is your physiological response. The Doesn't blood, allow it. Yeah, almost. the blood leaves your brain so you can't think clearly about what is happening. Mm -hmm. It takes a little while for that circulation to um, go back. The second part is the awareness. So you're already hamstrung by millions of years of evolution of fight or flight. The awareness piece reminds me of one of my favorite stories. I heard this on NPR. I don't remember all the names, but it was, it's my favorite awareness story. So there's a, a, a physician, an orthopedic surgeon, somewhere on the East Coast, if I recall correctly, who his lifelong passion was to um, find a cure for phantom limb pain. 
Does that make sense? So, yes. so this orthopedic surgeon specialized in amputations. And the number one complaint from all his patients was, my, even though you amputated my arm from the elbow down, my arm will not stop hurting from the elbow down. I can't. Even though there is no Even arm. though it's not there, it, the it pain hurts. is excruciating and I can't handle it. And pain medications don't work. Mm-hmm. What do I do? So for decades, he struggled with this. His solution, his cure that he finally came up with was um, he took small mirrors, fashioned them to an end of a selfie stick, and handed them out to all of his amputees and said, every time you feel your right arm start to hurt, you take out the selfie stick mirror, look at yourself, and make sure you can see yourself that you don't have a right arm, and say out loud, I don't have a right arm, and it shouldn't hurt anymore. And that worked on about 80% of his patients, if I remember this all correctly, as a few years ago. So that aware, that sort of situational awareness is so crucial for us to, to get through this VHS cycle faster. When I feel myself falling into this mode, okay, now I, I'm in this mode. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Right? So that, this, the first part is two, those first two parts, understanding the physiological response and then having some kind of trigger awareness. So hopefully this conversation today uh, can be can one of those things. I just point. need to watch out for it. What are the signals and the clues? Is it certain people that tend to do, to you let them do this to you, I mm-hmm. should say. They don't do this to you. You let them do it. Is it certain situations or rooms? For example, um, I, I still have... Um, I need to speak up more often, especially with things I disagree with in front of a large group of peers. That's a hard one. Right? That's a, that is a difficult thing for lots of people. Mm-hmm. So I am consciously aware of my attitude, especially when there's something that the opinions vary, the stakes are high, and the emotions are strong. I got to be careful how I step into it. Mm-hmm. And be thoughtful not to offend people, which is part of my nature anyway. So I, I really don't have trouble with that. Um, but it, I, that's a strength and a, mm-hmm. and a weakness, right? Because I won't say anything if I'm you go worried. Silent. Yeah, I just go silent. Mm-hmm. And then I go behind the scenes afterward and be the victim and say, I can't believe, you know, nobody yeah. asked me. And like, well, hey, I had a chance. Shame on me. Yeah. So that's one of the triggers for me. And the awareness is a huge part. So we're probably always going to go through the V and the H. So maybe what you need to look at is the goal is speeding up the VH and getting to the student sure. as fast as possible. How how can we go? Okay, it's gonna ha- it's probably gonna happen. You're probably gonna run through those thoughts, but how can we minimize that time and go? Oh, I'm triggering the victim hero. Okay, so what should I be learning? Because I I don't know. After doing some more discussion, I mean. Are you really ever going to get away from the VA and the H part? I mean, probably not realistically. You'd have to be pretty perfect. Right. I I don't think you will. I think you're right. Um, And none of us out there are perfect, so it would be pretty impossible. The the speed at which you get through it, I think Mm -hmm. we can work on, right? Right. which is what you're suggesting. So the awareness, I got a a couple of strategies for us. Mm -hmm. We ready for that? Yes. All right. Yes. So the awareness is key, right? People, situations, et cetera. You probably can make your own list of those people right now. <clears throat> so there's a few questions. <laughs> We're both chuckling, yeah. So there's uh, a few questions, probably four, that I are kind of my go-to. Okay. 
Okay. I know that's a lot. So pick, find one of these that might work for you. So the first question is, what story am I telling myself right now? Right? It's that simple. What story am I telling myself right now? And it's usually a victim or hero story or probably both uh, pretty quickly. And then the next question, so that's a self-directed question. The next, um, the next one is sort of uh, how do I look back in the other direction and see what else might be going on? So the specific question is why would a reasonable, rational, and decent person do this? A great story connected to that comes from another very commonly read book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey, in the first um, hundred pages or so, he's talking about paradigm shifts as a, um, a mind, you know, getting your mind to think differently about something. He tells this great story in a couple of pages of he's on a New York subway. And there's these four kids just running around crazy, hitting people's newspapers and, uh, you know, hitting their feet and making all kinds of noise. It's very distracting and, and kind of, you know, getting people's ire up, including his. And their father is sitting there um, doing nothing. So he turns to the man and he says, sir, um, what, is everything okay? Your, your kids are really causing a, a ruckus here. And the man says to him, uh, yeah, we just came to, from the hospital where their mother died, and I guess they don't know how to handle it, and, and I don't either. And so he says right in that moment he had a paradigm shift from you are a problem and your kids are out of right. control. You're young, please. Can't you see yeah. what's happening what's here? Yeah. And instantly shift from victim to how can I be more? How can I help you? Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Right. Um, would you mind if I... Um, you know, stepped in and helped with your, distracted your kids a little bit or something, you know, something like that. So that, that great um, thinking of looking outward, which is also a mind shift, which is so right. hard to do in the VHS, in the V&H part of the scenario. So that's why it's one of my favorite questions to ask. Why would a reasonable, rational human being behave this way? Mm -hmm. uh, traffic is a great example when someone cuts you off, um, you know, how quickly we do that. Yeah, yeah it's all victim, <clears throat> right? right? Maybe they have something really important that they really have to get to. I think that a lot. I'm like, <laughs> maybe they have to pick up their daughter by 530 like I sometimes do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like maybe that, okay. So, you know, by the way, I, I had, a, during one of these sessions, I had a an employee come up to me and said, Matt, you know, um, I, I think I do this like all day, all the time. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? And and uh, the person said, well, if somebody walks past me and doesn't make eye contact and say hello, then I think, what did I do wrong for oh them my. to ignore? I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you really need to think, you know, think through that. Be aware of those times and say, it's not about you, like almost all the time. Right. right? right. I, I wasn't directing that at that employee, but that's just in general. A lot of times it really isn't about me at all. Right. And how could I be helpful? Maybe I should be the first one to say hello. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So how, yep. how could I think outwardly and change my own behavior to get myself through it faster? Now, two more questions. Yep. Um, one of my favorites, all these are all favorites for me. I love this stuff, if you can't tell. So what am I pretending not to notice about my role in the problem? Oh. Yeah. 
What am I pretending not to notice about my role in the problem? I got a a text one evening from a peer that wasn't very kind. And I said, I heard you did this today. And that really bothered me kind of a thing. And I went into the um, victim here. I mean, I just went through this spiral and this cycle of, no, I didn't, and blah, 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 and shame on you, and you don't know, and all of that stuff. And my spouse, sitting, it was 7 o'clock at night, my spouse was like, yeah, they don't, yeah, just egging me on, they don't know, and you work so hard, and shame on them, and you should quit, you know, that kind of, this is crap. Your spouse ever do that, uh, that with you yes, also? Yeah, kind of danged if you do, danged if you don't. Yeah. That's a spouse role there. And it wasn't helpful at all. Well, <laughs> well it sort of was. It felt you are. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're right. I it, support it felt, you. Yeah, it felt helpful at the time. But about two hours later, I then asked myself that question. What am I pretending not to notice about my role in the problem? I looked at the text again and what it said. And I'm like, did I do that or not? Yes or no? Yes, I did. Did I? Yes, I did. Is it possible it could have been misunderstood or mis... Yes, it is. Obviously, it's possible because this person's having a reaction to it. Mm-hmm. So that question was very helpful to get me to the next and the, the last question on my list here is, what should I do right now to move toward what I really want? Mm. Do I want to damage my work relationship with somebody by having a victim response or is there something here for me to grow and learn from? And maybe, just maybe, it's so hard to do. Maybe I should apologize. I, see, <laughs> so I, I had two thoughts as, as you were discussing your questions. First of all, I think sometimes, once in a while, when you do self-reflect and you're like, ooh, that is me, that's really hard, mm. just accepting responsibility and going, you're right, you're I so did right. that, and I think we need to come up with a way to fix it so it doesn't happen in the future. And when you do that, people are so caught off guard. Because I think in our world and our society, it is a lot of victim hero and, well, and, and not claiming responsibility at all, but basically making, what's the word I'm thinking of? Not making excuses, but telling them, well, not not claiming responsibility, but giving reasonings for why you are okay with what you mm. did. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not saying I did that, but I, if I did, I did it because blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, going around the fact that, okay, sure. it wasn't right, <clears throat> uh, and not accepting that it wasn't right, but saying, well, only because of this and this, I'm doing it because I feel like it won't get done otherwise. When you're still not accepting the responsibility that you went over them and did it yourself. That's a great point. So, I mean, I, I always feel like lately when I go, you're right, I did that and we should figure out a way to not let this happen again by a process hmm. or something. People are like, uh, really? <laughs> like, yeah, this is just like. <laughs> you just admitted to being wrong and said, I I'm was I'm very good, out. usually. I mean, my husband might disagree. <laughs> Usually I'm pretty good. Um, so well, hold was, on a second. So there's something there, right? So your husband might disagree. Like, who are those people <laughs> that might disagree? That's the ones that we should at some point be more thoughtful That's about, true. Right? That's true. Because there's others of them other than our spouse that, well, that tripped that trigger. What, but what you said is really important. And that's the taking responsibility part. Yeah. And if that comes with this whole process, the awareness, the the – Negative self-talk, getting rid of that as soon as possible and moving mm-hmm. on to something more productive, 
what do I really want right now going forward? How can it be more helpful? You know, just saying, yes, I did do that. And then you can follow it. Here's why, or here's the context that maybe I'm not sure if you know the full context of it, et cetera. Right. And I see, I can, I understand why you took it that, or whatever it might be. But that, um, uh, you're, you're, you did a great job of describing sort of walking this fine line of, yeah, but. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, but so, I mean, but my motives are, um, are the means justify the end kind right, of a thing. Right, right, right. Right. So be really careful with that type of response to it. Right. What's the student response? That's what all these questions are trying to get us to. Yeah, but I, I guess, yeah, but I just did it. <laughs> um, you know, I think with being a student, it, it does involve self-reflection. And with self-reflection is, like you're saying, what was my role? You have, have to be honest about what you did. And how can people who aren't the best at doing this be more aware be more aware of it. Mm-hmm. And I guess if you're not the best at doing it, you might not even realize it's a problem. But still, I think everyone can go, yeah, self-reflection. That's not fun. It's I don't want to go there. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not fun. We uh, That's why I love you do this leadership podcast. It, I think you opened with um, w- we don't do a lot of self-investing yeah. in, uh, in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's why this is important um, for us. So I... My my thoughts there are um, take some time to journal. Journaling yeah. um, is what I would suggest, um, or meditating would be mm-hmm. another. Really, those are two things that are uh, can be very helpful. They work for me. I'm not very good at either one. When I was introduced to journaling through this Leadership Academy experience four or five years ago now, I mean, I, I thought it was a— a diary that a fifth grader kept under their bed kind of a thing to hide it from people. Is right? something that, wrong with yeah, that, that <laughs> That's what I journaling, you know, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a, a man and I'm, I'm, I can take care of myself. <laughs> I don't need to, my emotions. Yeah, I need to write my thoughts down. <laughs> but there's something pretty remarkable in in the, the sort of the, the kinesthetic, the, the movement of making your own writing. Because it's it's rare ish mm-hmm. nowadays, you know. When's the last time I or any of us wrote a handwritten thank you card mailed to someone's home? There's something really special about that because it's extra rare mm-hmm. nowadays. So that's the. Um, but my suggestion would be journal on times when this has happened to you in the past, and then look for the themes around those. And it's usually people, meetings, mm-hmm. time, you know. Maybe a certain time in your life where you have some, for lack of a better word, baggage, right? Mm-hmm. So when you, you see similar circumstances of something coming back that really bothered you in the past, if you see any sign of that again, we tend to overreact to things and become vic- just victim. You know, real trauma that's happened to people. Right. We can become a victim all over again when perhaps the other people or person had no intention of that whatsoever. Well, and I think I I did the journaling um, in a situation last year, and I think too there's something about journaling that makes you 
just kind of calm down and think because you're you're focusing on on that thought. Even if you're meditating, your your mind still wanders. So mm-hmm. if you're writing it, you're focusing on the words yeah. and what do they mean. Great point. And I I remember making a connection to something like really uh, like deep, like like not connection I would have ever made. And it was very mind opening and, and made me aware of, of a trigger or, mm-hmm. or a situation. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes too, you have to be aware that you might open up something that you don't really like <laughs> yeah. to think about or consider, but sure. those things do affect you. And there's probably things like you said, baggage or stuff in your past that allows you to have those certain triggers or, or be the victim in certain situations more so than others. Yeah. And it, you have to be, I guess, I don't know if I want to use the term brave, but willing enough to go down that path and make a correction or or be at least aware of the situation. And that's not fun either. Yeah, no. <laughs> a lot no. of, we're making this seem like this is not fun, but you should really do it. <laughs> it kind I of promise. is, it kind of can be when you, especially when you look back and reflect and like, why did it take me so long? To right. get, I got there. When you're going to grow. Yeah, I mean, it just took four hours yeah. and seven beers. Yeah. I mean, why? Right. Why can't it take one hour and two beers, right? Let's right. figure out just how to process that more more quickly. You know, one other really quick thing, because um, I, I don't want to, uh, what's the term, throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's an old phrase, by the way, that comes from lots of people that used to have to share a bathroom way back in like the 1800s. They all took a turn using the same bathwater and the baby always got in last. <laughs> and the daughter, water was so dirty that you might not notice the baby's even there. <laughs> I right, didn't so know that's, that. that's where that came from. And the point I'm trying to make is even in in the midst of a victim hero um, feelings, there may be nuggets of truth that people are giving you. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, here's what I mean. A performance appraisal is a great example. So you, you want to write the whole thing off sometimes. And uh, there's great new research by Marcus Buckingham in a book called The Nine Lies About Work. It just came out last year. And it's research that's kind of debunking lots of stuff that uh, people traditionally think about work. And one of them is, um, it's lie number, I got the book right here, lie number six. I haven't read this chapter, but I've heard Marcus give a presentation on it, and it makes sense to me. People can reliably rate other people is the lie. Mm. And what the research shows is about 60% of my rating of somebody on my team in a traditional performance appraisal says more about me than it does about them. Yeah. Right? So if I'm, I'm a nice guy, I tend to rate people high. Mm-hmm. And so that's 60% of that rating is about me. Mm-hmm. Maybe if someone who's a little bit tougher rates people a little tougher, 60% of that rating is about them. If they're up and down and all over the place in the rating, then I sort of have no idea, maybe, perhaps. But <clears throat> the point is, it's only 60% of a reflection of me. There's a nugget, there are some nuggets of truth in there. Mm-hmm. And what might those be for me in whatever situation it is? What do I really want going forward right now? So even if you're like writing this off as a total, they don't get it. I am the hero. Mm-hmm. There might be something helpful in there. So be uh, the awareness again. The, the people that trip your trigger all the time, they still might be right. 
Well, yeah, because they aren't biased for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they, they are right. seeing you with no rose-colored glasses on. Yeah. Now, it might be opposite bad spectrum, but like you said, if you meet it in the middle, mm-hmm. how your mom thinks about you and how this person, something's right. That's right. Yeah, everybody's mom says their son is handsome. Right. But it might not be. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of look in the mirror every my now and then. My mom always said, you need makeup. <laughs> Otherwise, you're scary. So my mom was pretty uh, brutally honest. But um, we kind of discussed this a little bit before, but, you know, with with your talking about your spouses and stuff. So if you know someone who doesn't understand this process is is very bad. Sometimes it can be exhausting as the partner yeah. or the friend or where you see them always going through this victim hero, never get to the student. How can you get them to look in the mirror and, and understand this process and, and maybe become more of a student at some point? Have you helped anyone through this? Um, <clears throat> yes, Here, here's a a couple of thoughts on that. So I have a peer who he's a a CFO in a community in Pennsylvania, and he and his spouse uh, have a secret code that they use with each other. And whenever somebody gets into this, because a lot of times we come home and complain to our spouse about right. whatever happened at work, right? Um, they will say to each other out loud, "Victim much." Right, so it's their little trigger to help each other move through the victim hero and in, into student. Now that's difficult to do because, you know, they're both sort of trained in, in understanding right. this. Right. So, the other thing that I have found helpful, um, there's two parts to it. I'm going to reference another book. It's one of my favorites. By Kim Scott. Kim Scott has worked for Apple and Google and lots of other things, but she has this concept called radical candor. And if you can imagine, if you have a chance to have a a pen and paper handy right now, draw two intersecting lines with arrows going above. So just a vertical line and a horizontal line. At the top of the vertical line, write care personally. And to the far right of the horizontal line, right, challenge directly. And what Kim talks about is if people know that you care about them, they are much more willing to accept what you have to say about them, even if it's difficult. And she calls that radical candor. That's what that top right box is. Super quick, the other three sections, the top left, you care personally, but don't challenge directly. That's ruinous empathy. Hmm. The bottom right is obnoxious aggression. Hmm. And the bottom left, that's you challenge directly all the time, but people don't know that you care about them, even though you might. Mm -hmm. The bottom left is the worst. You don't care. You don't challenge. That is manipulative insincerity. Oh, jeez. I know. That's a tough one to remember. So about as bad as trajectory. Yeah, so I I've, I kind of land on this. People know I care about them, but I don't challenge them directly fast enough. So this is a long way of me getting to, I actually draw this out on a white, when I have something really difficult to say to somebody, I draw this concept, this radical candor concept on the whiteboard, and I say, you know I care about you, right? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Like, okay, I've got something that's hard, hard for me to deliver, but it's, I think it's important because I care about you and this organization. So it's like you're giving yourself permission. And what tends to happen is people let their guard down a little and not be defensive about what you have to say, because you're very clearly calling out up front, you know, I care about you. Right. And so then they say, yeah, I do. And I, and um, I get good scores for that, personally. I don't get good scores for challenge directly. Mm-hmm. I had someone tell me a couple of years ago, Matt, you pull punches. You need to hit people in the face more with what you really are thinking. Right? And that's a, a summary of me moving from ruinous empathy over into radical candor. And it's easier for me once I explain the concept. Is ruinous empathy kind of like enablement? A little bit, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And per, personal work and personal stuff, being an enabler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you can't, you care about them so much, you can't you're see like, past oh, right. what's really happening and the mm-hmm. effects of it. So that brings me to my last point. Thank you for helping me transition <laughs> mentally. I tend to talk a lot because I'm really passionate about this stuff. And you know, my wife says, nobody cares about this much, quite as, as much as you do. So be careful <laughs> not to overdo it. I'm getting that look right now. So nope, I'm not. <laughs> that's not true, audience. Um, all right. So here's the last thing that helps. So when, when you're about to deliver, that helps me anyway, when you're about to deliver that difficult message, I can't remember where this came from, but it's it reminds me of SBAR for all you clinical folks out there, situation, background, assessment, recommendation. This is SBO, S-B-O, situation, behavior, outcome, right? So you're going to talk to somebody specifically about their behavior that you saw. And okay, in this meeting, I saw you do this. The words that you used make me uncomfortable. I see it making other people uncomfortable as well. And so the outcome of that is people that could be a lack of trust, perhaps because of the words that, you you know, this is a hypothetical example. Um, But that tends to help us. So it's very specific to something you saw the other person do. And if it's a victim hero thinking that they might be in when they're doing that behavior, then you can help them think through that as well with Mm -hmm. the other list of questions that we've already covered. So hopefully that makes some sense. That's yeah. what seems to be working for me because uh, I'm, I'm very conscious of it. And that's been a, a good thing for my, you know, really people think you care even more about them if you're going to challenge them directly. Right. Well, and, and I mean, that's why you do need to take the time to build relationships with people and not just and, and spend the yeah. time getting to, to know them and understand them because then it's easy. It, yeah, it totally is easier for someone you really have to start there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you can't you just do have this. To. Yeah. It takes no. time and mm-hmm. you got to prove it over and over, but you, you really have to start there with the care personally. Well, I kind of went over a lot of stuff today, a lot of good stuff. And yeah. I know Matt has an appointment, so we'll kind of start to wind down. I guess uh, to end, what would be like one of the big takeaways or, or key focus on this co- concept for people um, to think about when they think about this victim, hero, and student? You know, um, any, uh, any sort of leadership session or, or conversation like this, or what are the one or two takeaways that I can use to change how I think like t- right now today? So I think the two things for me that I can t- have to keep going back to, one for 
certain is the awareness piece. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't have to do this big, like, you know, go buy a journal and do a formal journaling exercise. Just grab a piece of paper and write down, when does this have, when do I tend to get into this space? So that's one thing for sure. And then the other is I would pick one of those four or five questions that we talked about. Um, what am I pretending not to notice about my role in the problem? Why would a reasonable, rational, and decent person do this? What should I do right now to move toward what I really want? Pick one of those. Identify the situations. Pick one of those questions. I think those two things can help you really get started to move faster to the student. Well, and, and for everyone out there, we'll try to figure out a way. I know there is a way because you referenced a lot of good books and then those four questions. Obviously, knowing those or being able to go refer back to those is what's going to help everyone be successful with um, with this concept to, to help them through this process. So we'll figure out a way to put that somehow as part of the podcast via download or in the description just so you guys are aware. Um, but otherwise, thank you again. And I just got the question, so we for sure can have that. So a lot of good stuff. Once again, VHS, victim, hero, and student. I always just like how it's hard to get to the student. I always forget what the student is. That almost kind of... <laughs> Talks about what we're talking about here. So anyway, so thank you, Matt, for joining us and spending time with us and, and sharing your knowledge and your advice and all your experiences. And thank you to everyone out there for joining us again and uh, spending time, like we said, on, on this self-development by focusing on you and, and some of this stuff we talk about in these podcasts. It not only will, will help you be successful, but definitely will affect those around you, be it team, personal relationships, anyone that you touch. So with that, thank Amen. you very much. Amen, sister. Have a good week. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm.